We are so excited for our guest today, Ayla, because we have such a beast with the existing academic and research system. And for us, you are this shining light of a genuine alternative to the system. Another thing we've talked about on the podcast is how we rate genuine intelligence from our cultural perspective. And the idea that you are out there doing research, not for remuneration, you didn't get into it for anything like that. You just did it because you loved it. And it was really cool to see. But for people who don't know Ayla, she is probably the most advanced sexuality researcher in the world, as people who wrote a best-selling book on sexuality, I'm saying that. <laughs> and she is somebody who really does a lot of pretty groundbreaking research into the way humans think. The first question for this one is... So there's this perception of society of these secretive groups of like elite people who host sex parties where nefarious things happen. Yeah, I'll set the scene because it always shows up in my gossipy girly shows where one of the protagonists ends up at this mansion where everyone is wearing masks and black and, you know, they, they walk in and there's candles everywhere and it seems super evil and they're handed a glass of champagne and then just like people are like, they're just going to start. It's just suggested that like a bunch of people are, are going to either start having sex or are having sex or end up and, getting murdered or something. Yeah. During, and they, there's this famous Twitter thread of you about a consensual non-consent party. You're having the words like had a torture buffet. And if anyone in the world understands the logistics of actually putting one of these together, what that's like, what you're thinking about when you're doing it, what you have to make sure doesn't go wrong. I am just so fascinated to hear about this. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to know more? Thanks, guys. <laughs> oh, great, great to be here. I'm so happy to be on your podcast. But yeah, to be clear, the torture parties are a separate thing from the non-con parties. Yes. CNC, I'm going to call it CNC. Perfect. Um, I have them. There's no sex going on at the torture parties. It's just like another logistical thing to throw into the mix. And <laughs> Oh, yeah. The, the CNC parties are basically you come in and you wear like wristbands that indicate what you're open to having happen. And then you operate them certain like bounds of accepted norms so there's like a list of things that you can do to somebody if they have the wristband on and then if the person wants to make exceptions they wear like a badge and you have to read that badge before you engage with them stuff like that yeah. so wait, wait 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 hold on this is sounding very similar to me to whitewater rafting like in my in my teenage years i did a lot of whitewater rafting my dad and my sister were river guides and before going rafting you had to like stop everyone and have a safety talk about how the life jackets worked, what would happen if your boat racked, wrapped around a rock, how to paddle correctly. Like, do you have a safety talk before these begin? Yeah, we have We have to arrive mandatorily on time before the doors close because it's required that everybody is there for the opening circle. And the opening circle, we go over the rules again. In your invite, when you come to the event, you have to read the rules. And then when you enter the door, you sign a waiver that explains again what you're getting into and that you understand and are agreeing to this. Mm -hmm. And then we sit you down and we explain it all again, just to make really sure that you understand what's happening. And then we go through the list of things you can do, can't do, like the, the orientations to the space. We explain like how to use some of like the toys and the tools, the norms again. We do exercises where you have to, and it's like, it's like dumb. I hate exercises at the beginning of things, but like, <laughs> I think it's good still. And we just want to be really over the top. So we have people pair off and the, the name of the party is red means no. So mm. basically the, the thing is you get to say no and have people ignore that, but we replace the word no with the word red. 
Hmm. So, so you just practice saying no and having that ignored and being able to ignore another people. And then you practice saying the word red and having people instantly respect that. I uh, just basically like retrain intuitively what that's like. So you like, you touch somebody and then you say, don't do that. No, you can like experiment different ways. Like, no. And then you say red and they have to immediately respect it. Oh. So we go through like actual like structured practice to make sure that everybody like understands what they're getting into. What I love about this is it is so different than what is pictured in like the <laughs> as to what these parties are. It's like a bunch of safety seminars. <laughs> and now we've got to act it out to make sure we don't go too far. But it makes a lot of sense. How do you think about when you're thinking who to invite to these? How do you vet them? Because, you know, if you're, if you're bringing some, I, I guess you have to ask for recommendations or? Yeah, we've, it's, it's still like relatively new. We're throwing in maybe like one or two a year so far. So pretty slow. But we started out with like network and referrals. Because like a really big thing is I don't want to accidentally introduce bad incentives into this this game design. Right. So you don't want people who are like suppressing the thing that they actually want in order to try to be liked or accepted or to participate. Mm. Like it's a big thing. At the beginning we say, we you came here because you wanted this, but if you decide here that this is not what you want to do, we want you to just not do it. Like it's okay to just sit and watch. Like we please do not pressure yourself to do it. But there's still like a lot of social pressure sometimes, even if you're trying really hard to make sure this doesn't happen. Like say you go, this is your first time and you're really excited and then you get there and you realize, wait a second, I don't actually want to do this, but you don't want to disappoint the host because you want the host to think you're really cool. Mm -hmm. And so you like kind of like force yourself to deal with something that you didn't want to actually. So in attempting to avoid this, we mostly try to invite people who have independently expressed interest in like CNC mm -hmm. without trying to get to this party. So we so we ask for referrals for people who know somebody who has established already experience or or like clear this is what I wanted beforehand. So we try to separate those incentives a little bit as much as possible. One thing we talk a lot of a lot on our podcast is, is sort of status hierarchies and how they can emergently form. Do you notice any sort of like emergent status hierarchy forming within these? Is it based on like how dominant someone is sexually or is it based on something else? <laughs> So, okay, so, so this is a little bit interesting because in a typical orgy, you have like women who are doing refusals, but in this kind of orgy, in general, you mostly don't have women doing refusals oh. uh, because it's just, it's just a free for all, yeah. right? Like, and so what's interesting is that like, if you remove like female choice from a sexual dynamic, like what happens? And so you have, uh, like, it's a little bit I hadn't thought uh, about high this. stakes because like, if you're not getting fucked by anybody, it's because all the, like, they're all busy fucking the other women. Yes. Um, so it's an interesting, like, distribution thing. And it's, like, it can be uh, a little bit difficult. To handle. So what's, I, I want to know, so at an orgy versus a CNC party, is there a different male-to-female ratio that is ideal? Yes. Right. At a typical orgy, you want two women per one man. Okay. Generally speaking. Because of the high, yeah. higher rate of refusals. Yeah, and like women are more likely to be bisexual and like oh, men are oh. sort of you you want like enough women to like pad out that like at least one woman is going to be down. Yeah. Um, but it's the reverse for CNC orgies. You want two men to one woman. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that is fascinating. Okay, so here's a question. The 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 people who the men are choosing in these totally unrestricted environments, because they're choosing whoever they want. Is it different than who people might expect? Like, does it change within the different environments? who the men are targeting? Is it the most generally attractive people? Is it the highest status people in society? Is it people who they knew? Like what's often determining this? 
it, it's it's hard to, it, it, again it's, it's a kind of slow sample and it's hard to tell because there's other factors at play but my general sense is yeah it corresponds to like how generally attractive people are like there's one girl who comes to these who i think is I've heard from men as like, oh, this is like the hottest girl. And she just gets like slaughtered each time. It's like a lie. Like, <laughs> way more men want to have sex with her than with me. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay, noted, noted. Amazing. Yeah. But you definitely have to kind of like become really face to face with like your ranking in a sense, which is nice to have lots of men because if you just have a surplus of men fucking you all the time, then you don't have to do the thing where you're sitting on the sidelines kind of feeling disliked or something yeah i feel like this is kind of like the worst nightmare of the being pick last for softball or something like challenge of like being nobody wants to be raped non-consensually a, <laughs> yes. that is the, just not as interesting well actually this is this because i'm thinking like what are you trying to simulate here like like historically like what would have and it would have been like a village raid or something like that. Mm. And now I'm actually thinking about the psychological distress of the one woman in the village who wasn't raped <laughs> during the raid. I just um, feel like... <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. And to be fair, there are other factors, right? Yes. Like some people have things on their badges. Like some people have like oh. certain references. So it's not a perfect yeah. one-to-one. Like definitely yeah, yeah, yeah. like the first time, I think I'm like, not that ugly, but like the first orgy, basically nobody fucked me. And I was like, What's but isn't it, could it be because of your status? They're like, well, yeah, right. I don't want to embarrass myself in front of senpai. Yeah. yeah. Like it would be, I'd be so nervous, you, you know? More? Like, how did you adapt to that? I mean, it's okay. Like, I think, I, I think two people had sex with me or something like that. And I was a little disappointed, but this is also <laughs> a problem of, it's, it's not just that like men are going for the hottest women first or whatever. There's like a thing where men get really tired. <laughs> like if you're oh. doing like if you're role playing some sort of struggle scenario, which is really fun. Yeah. But like, and if you're a guy, it's just like to do this like a bunch of women. It's it's a lot nicer in fantasy than it is in reality. You should and like yeah, only have it during like the summer season or something. So you get like your beach body, but also your CNC party <laughs> body. You got to like train for it. You know. <laughs> There's also people are weirdly bad at bondage so like the first orgy we prefer like oh we'll give some ropes or whatever because you know you want to make it easier yeah people, if you're simulating like if you're doing the role play where like you actually are trying not to be fucked it's just exhausting to try to actually like get somebody down and you need like coordination from other men but like for example our first orgy we didn't have that many men because we were trying to go by normal orgy rules yeah so like it was just like guys were getting tired out left and right nobody could tie anybody up uh, I'm just picturing like all these people just looking winded, like sitting around in this like very sexy looking scenario. But I was just like, just just <laughs> all these exhausted like... men, just like used up by the the succubuses. But I mean, actually, this is really interesting because like, you never really think about when you need to learn how to like quickly hog tie someone. No one's practicing this, and now I'm, I'm like, if this catches on, that there are going to be some Bay Area like seminars for like, okay, really quickly how to handle yeah. this. But well, we did update. So the next orgy, we switched to like velcro handcuffs for oh, example which we like smart. then pre-latched onto various points in the room and then, then it became smart. much easier because it's also safer like like bondage is good but you have to be careful to make sure you're doing the correct ties to not accidentally right. restrict blood flow right so right. it's just better in like a frantic chaotic orgy environment just like have we'll just velcro and we have like uh stocks like uh we got like oh. mobile devices you can like clamp around somebody's Anyway, it's easier now. <laughs> Clamp around things. skill at these various tasks determine 
their position was any sort of local hierarchy was in this group or mm. is it largely irrelevant? It, it, it... It's been hard for me to determine hierarchy among males because I'm usually pretty distracted. <laughs> <during the lab. laughs> uh, but like, but talking to men about it, it, I get the impression that there's a lot more camaraderie. Um, yeah, I would be because there's no mate guarding. I think if we, which is one thing I'm really curious about. One orgy I'm really interested in throwing is one that like tries to actually simulate mate guarding more, where it's like you gain a point for every woman you fuck, and then you lose a point if a man fucks a woman that you have fucked before. Oh. Just to see like if that actually creates a male dominance hierarchy based on the males that are like more efficiently able to control females. Just to see if we can replicate a primal environment, you know? I like that. But, that, that. but that's even more exhausting for the guys. Now I'm just like thinking about this and I'm like, if I were a guy, I'm not signed. This is too no, much no, work. No, no, I think genuinely about going to one. Like, if I was going to go to one of these, my core thing would be like, how do I not look like a fool? And when you're <laughs> asking, how do you not look like a fool? What you're really asking yourself is, how do I ensure I don't look like I'm at the bottom of the local dominance hierarchy? Mm. And so I think guys at these events are probably actually really sensitive to how their actions are perceived by the group writ large. And I think a lot of male sexual activity is as driven as much by how it reflects on their self-image as it is by any sort of primal desire, which probably really, you talk about the level of work that's going into this. I, I find that just really fascinating. Well, but I think what's more interesting, Ayla, is what you're talking about with male camaraderie. Like I'm always like, I'm, I'm thinking back to like the raid scenario in which like, oh, is this kind of how like guys like bonded in the past, like guys night out, like we're going to rape and pillage a village. And this is like, oh, we feel so much closer now. I don't know. Like, did you, do you feel more of a sense of, of bonding or competition or is it both? Like they're in, in Oh yeah, yeah. And with the, the women in the group, do you notice competition or like you feel like less camaraderie? I haven't noticed any competition with the women generally because there's not really much opportunity to interact at all. As some of the women, we do have a few lady doms, but I haven't, but that's like not enough to really notice trends. But generally, generally you're just like, you know, my experience has been, I don't know what the fuck is going on. There's just like penises <laughs> everywhere, which is really nice. I really like that. But with, with the men, there's a lot of karamari. So like we have, so there's rules about like engagement, right? So for example, if you're a man and you're like having sex with a woman, like how should it work? What should the norms be if another man wants to come on and like stick his penis into the woman's face, right? Like, like what if the guy who's like doing the fucking like really isn't interested in a threesome like that's like a boundary for him he just doesn't want like another man in his sexual space right so we have to figure out norms for this and right now our norm is like you ask like hey do you need a hand and if you're a guy, I like that like banging someone or like trying to wrestle a woman down then you can say yeah i do need a hand and then now you've got both guys you know taking out a lady together it's very nice very sweet that, that, that does feel like camaraderie yeah, yeah. <laughs> um what do, what do the various wrist like so the physical things that people are wearing like wristbands what will they aside from like i'm in i'm okay with dudes i'm okay with women like what else do they signify so far we're keeping it really simple because we're trying to do something where you don't have to like stop we don't we want to reduce room for mistakes we want to make it so that if you're in the, the pit of bodies you don't like forget that one color means one thing so mm -hmm. historically we're just like what gender are you open to Though this next round, we're going to be trying, because I want to see if we can expand this orgy into sort of a free use thing. Because some people aren't super interested in a resisting experience. They mm. want to just like kind of be taken and then just have normal sex with whoever just initiates. Mm -hmm. So I want to see if we can expand it to include both. So we're going to have wristbands that indicate like, do you expect to give resistance or not? That way, like oh. men can pick if they want to go for somebody where there's going to be a struggle or just somebody who anticipates. Of course, it's not required. Like you might change your mind in the middle of it. Um, 
That's really, I think that's a, that's a good thing to do. Cause if I went to one of these parties and somebody didn't resist, I'd be very disappointed. So <laughs> more easily sort for, for. Right. Yeah. And cause maybe you're saucer at the end of the night. Maybe you're not. Like, oh, yeah. And glow sticks. <laughs> this is another problem. Wait, so glow we sticks? have colored wristbands, but oh. it turns out like the lights are low for mood lighting. We have like colored lights and it made it actually. And they were, they're like, people are like standard wristbands that you get. Oh. And they're kind of like getting like crushed and turned over and it was a little dark. So it wasn't easy to tell immediately. And so we were going to switch to a glow stick system where we could get, so it's really obvious. I like I that. I also love the idea that a women, you know, if you, if you do this, like the, I'm going to resist, I'm going to not resist the, the value of each category of woman changes dynamically throughout the night with the non-resisting women becoming higher value the longer oh. the night goes on and the more exhausted <laughs> the men become. And I bet you'll see the women who are being left out change throughout the course of- That is interesting. Okay, wait. So optimal temperature. What yeah, is pretty it? cool. You want it a little bit pretty cooler. We have a lot of blankets set out and pillows. Oh. Um, and then you want a little bit cold just because it gets sweaty. Music or no music? We historically have had music in the background, which is a funny choice because you're like, which music should I? Yeah. What live should I set? Yeah. What's, what's the playlist for that? Okay, so Instrumental or vocal? Instrumental, I'm assuming. We usually do kind of like jivey background stuff. Okay. Do people start out clothed or not? Start out clothes and oh yeah, because that's kind of part of the like fun. Not show up in things that you don't want to get destroyed, you know. <laughs> in Fair. the movies, when people are going to these, they always have like black robes and are like inconspicuous. In reality, is it like normal streetwear, or is it? And do you dress <laughs> up? We do. The last one, we try to theme a little bit. Like you can show up in like in a costume, like elude. And the, the, the theme was funnily like a dark ritual theme. So like, oh fun. Oh, okay. Yeah. So but, we're getting a little bit of the stereotype. It's true. I think a lot of people. Yeah, are like, oh, thank God. But the next one is mad science. So it's like mad science. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh my God. Lab coat and nothing beneath. Hello. This is yeah. gonna be so. Oh my God. So That's here's so so I want to go into the torture parties now. Yeah. What's we can't we can't touch it. Yeah. T- torture buffet. Yeah. What's going on? Yeah, torture buffet is super fun. It's historically had great party ratings. It, it's it's not sexual. It's not as scandalous as it sounds. Basically, it's a party, and when you come, you have to bring torture to share. And, and it's basically any sort of uncomfortable experience. It can be like something that smells really bad or like maybe you know like hand claws or like uh, some people do electrocution one person did like you kneel on grits because that's really painful I-, I offered to slap people um <laughs> one person like one torture uh was somebody who like put clips on you as they whisper into your ear accounts of uh incentive alignment that went poorly like in economics oh like, pressure, like where like historically governments have been like policies that backfired <laughs> that's good is, is there is there a drinking at these parties that one yeah the torture i mean it's, it's not like a lot of drinking it's just like you get cocktails or whatever yeah and that was nice because you get to experience like a smorgasbord of interesting unpleasant sensations and it's really bonding for the people you're doing it with because like you're both together like all right we're gonna try and experience like being uncomfortable for a second and like one person guides the other person through the experience it's really delightful mm. Wow. One of my favorite Ayla moments was when you were on Twitter asking people how to properly waterboard someone. Safe. You're like, yeah. does anyone have experience with this? I'd really like to bring this to the next torture buffet. Twitter, shit a brick. What's an interesting dynamic you don't think about that you actually have to go out. You know, if you're trying a torture, you have to know how to do it safely. So you have to go mm-hmm. out there and read 
torture literature. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we haven't actually had too many dangerous tortures recently, but like, for example, with electrocution, you want to make sure you only electrocute like the waster downwards, just, you know, stuff, basic stuff like that. Oh. But in general, the tortures are pretty like mild or fun. Like somebody brought little Legos to walk on, you know, like. <gasps> oh, that's good. That's good. That's good classic parent torture <laughs> oh my gosh I, another what thing that i've been thinking about from this conversation is the types of sex parties that i hear about from older movies from like our, our parents generation oh like boomers if they were moral panics or if they ever actually happened like key parties right where like you would go to a party and everyone would put their keys in a bowl and you'd pick out a key and then you'd be sleeping with which, who, whoever's key you randomly picked out or something oh. Or, or lock parties. Any of these weirder party designs, have you heard of these really happening or are they just fantasies? I wouldn't be surprised if they do actually happen. So one, gay communities, a lot more stuff happens there. They are way more experimental. I could easily see it happening in a gay community and then like legends percolate. But two, like I think, like for example, is an example that I am throwing these weird parties. And this would probably consider similar degree to a key party where you're like having sex with someone you didn't choose. But before I did this, when I was doing this, I was like trying really hard. Is anybody else doing this at all? And I was really searching. Nobody else was. But there used to be one that was thrown in the Bay Area called hostage parties. And they had, it was like a slightly different setup, but they had basically like there were hostages and you have to go and like get information from the people who are tied up. And it's like a game, like who's going to break first, who truly has the information, who doesn't. And those seem really fun, but they, I guess the guy who ran it died of COVID. And so it, oh, no. it just stopped like during COVID basically. Oh my gosh. I can think of a, a weird, interesting party that happened at my college, which was along the lines. It was called the anything for money party. It was held by the business society. Everybody started with a certain amount of tokens, which counted as money. And you would try to end up with the most tokens at the end of the night through a negotiation or, oh. you know, trading things that you had. And the people who won got like a car. And like a large screen TV, back when a large screen TV was worth a lot of money. And so, of course, it just turned into exchanging tokens for sex party. You the fastest way. To try to get the car, you know. Uh, oh, that's great. Yeah, so like what, like the, the hottest people, like or the most entrepreneurial. like That would actually be very interesting for one of your parties as well. A token exchange party mm. where... Mm. but i don't know like it just seems like a lot of work i don't i, I don't know also, all these all these seem like a lot of work like if you can't exchange the tokens for a thing at the end like would it technically run afoul of prostitution law mm. oh yeah. yeah that's a good point or there's <laughs> other interesting things you could do which is have the prizes still be determinate on chance but your your odds increase that's, the more yeah. tokens you have at the end of the that's night so it's like a sortition system where each of the tokens counts as an individual, like slip of paper with your name on it. So if you had six tokens, six slips of paper with your name on it, go into the bowl. Yeah. Um, and then at the end of the night, somebody takes one slip of paper from the bowl. And so That's it still right. allows anyone to potentially win. So you never feel like you're counted out. Because I think if you did it without this system, yeah. people would feel like, okay, I'm definitely not going to have any chance of winning this. So I'm just not really going to play for that type of game. But this way, everyone would still always be incrementally motivated. What I'm taking away from this is basically some of the fantasy is real, which I think is wonderful. And that like, there are sometimes dark robes and like people dressing up a little bit, but what everyone's missing is the planning, the consideration, the careful invites, the vetting, the safety talk, the, you know, like the wrist. Yeah. 
And I just, I, I also just love that, like, the name of the, the most recent CNC party you threw was Red Means No. It's like throwing a, a skydiving party, which is like pull, pull cord for parachute party. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the okay. one thing you really need to not forget. We're calling yeah. it that. It's great. But I, I, I also like, and I hope that this, you know, SEO wise serves as this, that this is the person people need to come to when they are writing shows where a sex party takes place. Because I think that these need to be much more accurate in my teen dramas. And it's true. A great consultant. Throwing a normal sex party is a lot easier. There's a way more logistics that go into a CNC event. Mm. Uh, it's like taking drugs. Like, I don't know if you, if how, how the audience is familiar, but like if you're doing psychedelics, you usually want to set everything up beforehand because you, it's like choices revoked during the trip. Right. Like your judgment is off. You can't, like, if somebody comes to the door, you can't, like, make a decision then. You have to make sort of everything for you where the rest of it just falls through. That's very much like that. Whereas normally, normal sex parties, you can, like, reevaluate what's going on in the middle of it. You don't have to accept the enormous for the entire party. You're operating here at pro level. I think you, you may be forgetting just how, even for a normal sex party, how much you're also doing insane levels of vetting and planning. I mean, because you, you still have to consider, are people coming in with good faith? Are they going to respect boundaries? Like, yeah, are, sure. are they are they even mentally really ready to be in, in a group sex environment, even if they may act like they want to? I think you're already super considerate about that. Now you can take it to the level of CNC, but like- Well, so if other people were doing this, she would know. And she said, you know, you did the research, you did the yeah. footwork, and you, yeah. you had a hard time finding anyone doing else anything like interesting like this. Because well, so it takes I, so much I, work. It's a it ton just of work. Not yeah. Well, I also think it's like really controversial for the current environment. Like even I, I caught wind a little bit of like some of the kink communities were talking negatively about- the party we're throwing now like the, the impression i've gotten is that like the kink parties have like a hierarchy of like kink experience like oh. you have to be established in the kink community to be able to be like granted the social authority to be able to throw any sort of like high risk party at all and so the fact that i'm a complete outsider when it comes to like I, i'm not involved in kink scene whatsoever i'm just yeah. not really interested and so so i think i'm like subject to a higher level of criticism it makes a lot of sense whenever i've engaged with the kink scene my my perception of it has been that it is just like it, I just associate it with bureaucracy. Whenever I'm around it, I'm like, oh, it's it's bureaucracy day. No, it reminds me a lot of Six Sigma corporate people who are like, I'm level X, like this. They're like, what courses have you taken? I just spend a lot of time building this special rig. Like it's a lot about gear and it's a lot about rules. And it, it more reminds me of like, gotta get the gear from Portlandia or like D&D teams spending like five hours like making out their character sheets instead of necessarily engaging in the pursuit that is the subject. But what I, I think is really indicative here is that culturally the way that you're putting this together I bet it's a very different experience than if it was put together by the traditional kink community. Hmm. Yes this is this is my guess. My guess is that there's like a greater social fear or something of doing cnc stuff because cnc stuff is like increasingly taboo um, um because like consent is such a big people harp on consent, consent which to be clear i'm also big on consent like we also harp on this like because the consent rules are not changed whatsoever yeah. it's just the, the word changes that's it and you get to like role play it uh there's no actual assault going on yeah, um, it's a CNC anyway, party, not an NC party. Right, period. Yeah, it's very much consensual. But I think that like even the fact I think like even role playing it is a little bit too taboo for a lot of these people. Um they're like just really they're afraid of like normalizing it 
you know, like, oh, like we can't like talk about it positively without a lot of judgment. And I don't think this is everybody, obviously, but my guess is it's like some sort of cultural flavor here is like infiltrating the general vibes. That's really rough considering the number of women, especially, who are like actively aroused by non-consent, period. Like, and and also like real non-consent. Because we we looked at that in our survey. Real high. Like I should clarify for the audience, this is not like a like a weird fetish thing. This is like 30, 40% of the population or something. Like I, I can't remember from our data, but it's not like a, a oh, oh, you're a weirdo. It's it's probably, yeah. Yeah, for, yeah, for it, our it, book, the, the Pragmatist Guide to Sexuality, when Malcolm did his survey on Positly, he, he had a question of like, how much does the concept of rape play arouse you? But then right below, how does the concept of actual rape arouse you? To like make no ambiguity. Like this is really obvious. We're talking about the real thing. And a huge number of people were like, yeah, yeah, actual, actual rape, like super hot. Yeah. Ayla, yeah. thank you very much for satisfying my immense curiosity on this because I watch so many smutty girly shows where this is depicted. I just want to know the real story. Where should people follow you go if they would like to learn more about your research and your work? Yeah, my Twitter is Ayla underscore girl, A-E-L-L-A underscore girl. And my general website, which has links to all of the things is knowingless.com. Like K-N-O-W knowing less.com. I also have a blog post on where I explain the logistics of the CNC parties. And at the end, there is an application. So we will link to that in the show notes because that is a really good read. I've read it. I love it. And I love talking about this too. Thank you so much, Ayla. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. 